0: You're listening to the Heath Fluence Podcast, and we're having candid and actionable conversations about your health, relationships, business, and ministry. And now here's your host, the second chance Coachman, Michael David Huey. Welcome to another session of the Heath Fluence Podcast. Today is an amazing day. I, I, I really love, it's really funny, my best friend uh, growing up and, uh, um, Proverbs says, some people have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And this is my, this was my best friend. And he'd beginning to start listening to my podcast. And I get goosebumps as we, as I'm thinking about it, just because of, you know, my guest today, Candy Rose, we, we, we've known each other for a while now, several years now. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and, the and, and a couple weeks ago I was driving and she was heavy on my heart, right? Like, I was like, "Okay, Lord, I'm busy." No, call her. Just out of the clear blue, we hadn't talked in a while, and I just called her. And she needed—we needed to hear from each other that day, right? Like, there's yeah. these times when people are, and my best friend said this. He said, "I just want to let you know, I've been listening to your podcast, and it's changed my life." Right? Like, he goes, "I know I hear from you, but hearing from you with other people has changed my life." And sometimes that happens, right? It's like a—it's like Candy's a mom, right? And she may say something to her daughter and her daughter may hear it from somebody else different and do it because they heard it from somebody else different. Yeah, right. Of and, course. That, <laughs> and, and that always happens. Right. And one yeah. of the things <clears throat> I I, I like about candy is, is that she's stepping into a new season in her life, right? Like she's about to become an author. She's, you know, she's been in the real estate industry for years. Uh, I told her that I don't really use the bio very much. I actually use it to read for myself because I like you to hear from them. Right. And, (laughs) and, and she's smiling and laughing now. Right. Because one of the things that I realize about her is, is that um, she has really given this season of her life to God and said, God, it's not about me. It's about you. Like, how do I transition into, you know, years and years of real estate and being super successful and at a very young age too, at a very young age, being super successful and building houses. And, you know, now she's kind of redirected that. And, you know, her story is, 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 is deep. Like we've talked about it in different times and, and I've heard bits and pieces. I feel like I know it uh, pretty well. I'm excited to read her book. I already told her like when it's done, I'm ready to read it. She's been doing the audio part of it and all that stuff. And one of my other clients, uh, Debbie, she just released her book, she just got uh, boxes and boxes of them from from the editor and stuff like that. And so I really think it's great that when you uh, when you pour into friends, because as I, I I said this to Candy earlier, like, you know, uh, people are in our life for a season for a reason and for a lifetime, we think that that's kind of a a, a clicheist type of conversation, but really it's not. I don't believe it is. I believe it's, it's truth. Cause if you sit back and you do a self-examination of your life, um, you understand it. You see it like you see, like, you know, I look at my wedding and I look at how many of those guys are really close to me still. Right. And it's only been 13 years. Like I spoke to one of them this morning and he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. We haven't spoken in, you know, so much, so much time, you know? yeah. And, and you really have those friends and, and I, I probably would say this and then I'm going to I'm going to introduce her and let her kind of share her story. <laughs> We've even said, hey, if it goes a little bit longer, we'll do a, we'll do a part two. I told her that I've done three part twos with people. So it's okay that if we go real <laughs> three long. <part> <laughs> <laughs> three people have had to do part twos. One of them was because uh, the husband talked a little bit more and the wife wanted to talk. And I was like, "We got to hear more from Katie. And then another one was my friend and we just really – got into her story and how she became a mom and everything like that. And then her story about business and how she's helped people all around the world. And, and then my friend, pastor Anthony, and I, I, I could have listened to his story probably for another hour. Right. And, and so I, I think that when we really, when we really put, put this in the hands of God and we look at the impact that we can make through our story um, that's why I believe that candy has really, and and i told her like i have I, she, we we went through this laughing thing and i was like okay she's building a brand and like if you look at my brand it's HeFluence, but it's still my my website is com right and hers is candyrose.com like i know her as Candice rosenberg like i that's just my friend right like i know her as that but i have made <laughs> yeah. a promise to her that we would build a brand today so we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to stick to that she's smiling so that's a good thing so Candy, welcome to the Heat Fluence podcast. I'm super excited to hear uh, more, but I'm also excited for people that I know, and friends, and community, and family, and stuff to hear from you, and actually a, a preview of what this next season of your life is going to be. So, welcome.
1: Well, thank you very much. Um, I think it's important for people to know that are listening. The reason why it was so impactful that Michael called me that day is that I felt for the last two years that I had this block on speaking. I felt, like, I felt like all of my dreams for speaking and sharing my story kind of died when 2020 started. I mean, let's be honest. We were all like, what is going on? Is the world going to end? Are we ever going to get our freedoms back? You know, all that stuff. And things were just ramping up. I was speaking in front of hundreds of people. I had, you know, an opportunity to speak in front of like 5,000 people. I was working on my book. Everything was going great. Everything was great. Then 2020 hit. And I, like many people, um, I got a little bit, you know, depressed, to be honest. Um, I mean, I had to move home from Spain where I was living. I'll get to that later. But my daughter and I moved home, fled the country, moved home.
0: Thank God. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we didn't want to get stuck in another country. yeah you would have been
0: stuck there yeah
1: got here and then kind of from there is like everything just kind of stopped and so for two years i felt like i didn't have a voice i felt like i didn't have a message anymore i felt kind of i felt like i was being spiritually attacked and i felt like i just didn't have the words to say anymore and michael calls me that like just a few weeks ago yeah. and he was like i know your story that's that's just the enemy that's the enemy lying to you. Like you have a story, you have a voice and I'm telling you what we prayed. And after that, I started making videos. I started writing keynotes. I recorded my audio book. And I mean, it was just, I needed that little, like that little, you know, just, just that little word from God, just that yeah. nudge that you listened to your nudge to call me. So thank you.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. And, and you know, what's great about that is, is, you know, I was studying this this morning about the fruit of our labor, right? Like the obedience part of that, right? Like when, when, you know, God pops somebody in your spirit or when you, when, you know, when somebody says, Hey, will you pray for me? And then you say yes, but you don't do it. Right. And I, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, God, um, only tell me to call people when I can only tell me to pray for people when I can. And that's, that doesn't work like that. Right. So um, I've always said this, you know, um, probably one of the best books for a man that I've ever read is this book called wild at heart by John Eldridge. And uh, I give it to all of my, my, my male clients and my female clients. We give uh, a one called captivating by his wife, Lisa, Lisa. And, uh, or Stacy, I'm sorry, Stacy Eldridge. And, and what's really good about that is it, people come back and they say, I read it in a week, right? Or I read it in three days or five days or whatever. And I think that's when you know that you're doing that your obedience is, is real. And you know, that you're taking action on the things that people need to hear. And, and, you know, I, I got this and uh, before Candace shares her story, I got this message from a client um, uh, about two weeks ago that said, Michael, I just wanted to tell you that um, I know you went to a professional sporting event to see one of your clients play, but I'm so glad that I actually knew that person and we got to met because I was contemplating suicide that day. And mm-hmm. now I've been yeah. able to work with him for mm-hmm. a year. I actually just had the privilege of going down and baptizing him with in front of his family about th- six weeks ago. And so you just, you have to take action on things that, you know, you're supposed to take action on. And I think that that's great that you have stepped into your greatness. And so tell us about that. Like, tell us like, who is Candace? Like where did she come from? like where she is now and so that you know we'll see we got we got some time we got about 40 minutes so we'll see how that works out
1: okay so um it's kind of a long story which is why i wrote the book
0: (laughs) she's trying she told me before this just so everybody knows that she's working on trying to condense the story down so very much very much yeah
1: um You know, growing up, I had a great childhood. Um, You know, everything was great. I went to school. I did sports. I was very, very close. She's athletic.
0: Yeah, we know. I do. Yeah,
1: all that stuff was very good until about ninth grade when I um, entered into high school. And when I entered into high school, I started getting bullied by the girls in the grade above me. Um, They didn't like me from the get go they uh, called me the boyfriend stealer, which is really hilarious because <laughs> at that time I was not interested in boys at all. I was interested in my friends and my sports and stuff. And apparently I had talked to this guy in eighth grade summer. (laughs) and so by the time I got to school I know it's funny now (laughs) I'm gonna
0: have to use that
1: it's funny now (laughs) but by the time I got to high school the girls in the grade had it out for me they were cheerleaders and um, not only did they bully me for that very first year by the second year they had recruited some girls from my grade to join in on the bullying so the bullying never stopped just kept getting worse and worse and I come home crying and you know, my mom would like try to console me, like, you know, and she said, say, honey, they're just jealous of you. And I didn't understand what jealous meant. I wasn't, I was an innocent child at that point. I didn't understand the world yet. Right. So I had a really great heart, you know, very, you know, just, just an innocent heart. The second year, the girls started joining in and two of them happened to be my best friends. So this is when I experienced betrayal at its finest. Um, and not only did the bullying get so bad that they vandalized my parents' property to the tune of thousands of dollars, ran up felony charges. Finally, we got the police involved. (laughs) It was such a scandal. This went on for two years now. Wow. So by the end of it, my parents ended up agreeing to drop, drop the felony charges to misdemeanor charges for them to, um, apologize, pay for the damage. And the rest is history. After that, I was so far removed from being a good student and wanting to do sports. And I started kind of, you know, I started rebelling and getting angry. And um, I told my parents, I'm never going back to that school. So they ended up working to get me transferred into another high school. So by that time, I'd stopped doing sports, doing all that stuff. I started declining rapidly, going and drinking, doing drugs boys trying to fit in because I was so rejected from this other crowd. Right. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just 16 now at this point. So that kind of led into just a lot of like smoking marijuana. And then that went to like ecstasy. Then I went to hardcore drugs. And by the time I was 19, I was arrested by the DEA.
0: Wow. (laughs) Now I'm starting to learn more about you now.
1: All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, laughter is the story. good medicine
0: though I love it I love it
1: this is a story that I kept hidden from uh, we're going for fishing a very long today time. right 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 <laughs> now, we're, now we're getting into the exciting part right now um it was not that exciting because I was arrested and taken to jail and handcuffed and um uh from there um I never I never told my parents that I was arrested because my at the time boyfriend told me that he would take care of it. Now I didn't know what I was involved with. Okay. I was just a young, dumb, 19 year old, naive girl that was hanging out with a crowd that yes, I knew we were doing drugs. I knew we were doing illegal things, but I didn't think it warranted anything for the DEA to come busting through the door <laughs> Um, of which I've been did. there.
0: D- you you don't know about this about me, but we've, that I, I so I, I went through that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So we it have was a lot
1: in common. We were at a party and just hanging out, getting high, doing what we did. And all of a sudden, you know, the door busts in, guys in black with rifles come running in, telling Good. us to get down on the ground. I didn't even know. I thought we were getting robbed because these guys at any given point had $10,000 cash on them because they were drug dealers. And to make it even worse, we were at a diamond dealer's house who happened to be like the shadiest diamond dealer you've ever met because he deals diamonds to the drug dealers. He had a safe full of diamonds. I was like, we're going to die. We're all going to die. We're getting robbed. <laughs> yep. Yep. Turns out it was a DEA. So then it was sort of like a feeling of like, at least we're not getting robbed. But now but we're going, going to jail. jail. <laughs> so, <laughs> Right. It was, that's, that's a weird feeling to have. Right. You yeah. know,
0: we're just not going to die yet.
1: <laughs> so I didn't tell my parents. Um, I just didn't tell them. I just thought it would go away. And um, after that, I ended up moving to um, moving away, moving up to North Florida, just wanted to get away from the scene, get away from my friends. I I I wanted to like flee because I was afraid of what was going on. I didn't want to get in trouble anymore. Um, this crowd and I, we had always gone to like strip clubs and, you know, it was sort of glamorous in my mind because the girls were making so much money. Again, I'm hanging out with drug dealers. We're going to strip clubs. That's just what you oh, do. Yeah.
2: I've, been so I decided
1: I've been there. I've been there. I would become a stripper. So I did. I became a stripper at, at 19 years old. <laughs> and that was kind of what, what I was doing. I ended up dropping out of college. So now I have an arrest. I have a, a bad arrest. I have, I'm have i arrested by the DEA. I have a, a criminal background. I'm a stripper. I just dropped out of college. I've got nothing going for me. I mean, it is like, it is looking really bad. Um, This went on for uh, a few years. And I ended up kind of getting interested into, uh, real estate.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: at the time I was making a lot of money dancing and yeah,
0: you make was, a lot of money doing that.
1: I made a lot of money. No, so I,
0: I, I had, when I was in the fitness business, um, I had a lot of the girls worked out with me. Right. And they used to always pay in cash. Like oh, yeah. they just flip through a thousand dollars in cash and say, okay, here you go. I'll be like, okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Less yeah. taxes for me. No, I'm just kidding. But it yeah, was I
1: get it. it was it was uh yeah, they made yeah. a lot of money yeah it was it um, was like
0: lawyer money they were making
1: <laughs> i mean there was this place that i danced in tampa and i mean you could make a thousand dollars in four hours
0: yeah i i can i can tell you, you the name of it. of it i can tell you the name of it yeah <laughs> starts with an m and ends in a v
1: <laughs> i just said it <laughs> Trust me. Yes. I, I knew old I,
0: Joe, Joe Weidner. I knew, I knew him for years and years and years. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. I went there, you know, um, and then, um, uh, when I was, I think it was a couple years after that, I ended up moving down to Miami. And so when I moved to Miami, I was like, cool. Now I can dance here full time because when I was living in Atlanta, I didn't want anybody to know that that's what I was doing. So I would travel down to Tampa on the weekends.
0: Come, you know, make, make the four money. five grand. Yep. And, and come then back, go back home. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. Easy. yep I hid it from my family. I hid it from my friends. I didn't want anybody to know when I moved down to Miami, I was like, screw it. I mean, I'm, I'm living in the land of lust down here. So I might as well start, might as well be it.
0: lustful. Yep. I get yeah. it.
1: Um, and so, um, I did, I didn't down there full time. And then somewhere around that, like I was always trying to figure out a way to get out. I I didn't want to be there. Like I wasn't raised like that. So it was just really the way that I fell into it was just the drinking and the drugs and the glamor and the most people are. Yeah. It was most
0: girls are like that. All the girls I, I dated a girl, but she went into that and we separated. And, and she ended up going to law school and becoming a lawyer. Like she used all that money to go to law school. She, she says, you're always looking for a way out when you're doing that stuff.
1: You, you are, but, but to be honest, I don't think most girls are always looking for a way out. Nope. There are some girls that go in there with the attention of that's it. That's all they have. I mean, the the mindset of these girls, I would talk to them and I would be like, look, I want to be out. I want to be out by the time I'm 25. This is a young girl's game. I don't want to be the old girl in the club. Like, what are y'all going to do? You know? And, and they never <laughs> had an answer. Yep. Even my friends, like there were my friends who weren't strippers were, were dating men for money. I got of offered course. so much money to be people's girlfriends. I got offered like $10,000 a month from this one guy, like, I mean, $3,500 for a night from this one couple. I turned it down because I just never wanted to be owned by anybody. I don't judge people if they've done that. You know, I'm a very non judgmental person, but I never wanted to be owned by anybody. So I was like, No. I'm I'm good. I'll just I'll just take my clothes off. I'm not gonna sleep with you, but I'll take my clothes off. But I mean, there was just girls down there that were doing this, and and they weren't even strippers. And I would ask them like, "What are you gonna do when they trade you in for a new model?" And they'd be like, "No, nah, not gonna trade me in." Well, guess what? They did. They traded them in. These girls were left with nothing. It's almost no like prostitution.
0: Yeah, it's almost yeah. like prostitution.
2: It human was, tra- and, I mean-
0: and it's a very and it's a very similar term of human trafficking, which. I believe this is just my belief now because I'm so avid about human trafficking that that was a transition from that type of stuff. Obviously, when MV changed into, you know, you had to have seven feet or whatever it was, six feet apart and then all that stuff. And then that transition and then it actually went into human trafficking where people were actually buying people and selling them and doing that stuff. So, yeah, I know. I get it. get it.
1: Well, I mean, these girls were doing it like willingly, willingly of for the money. Of but. And it wasn't frowned upon. Kind of like OnlyFans isn't frowned upon now. I'm like, what? (laughs) Everybody's a stripper now? Like, it was not cool to be a stripper
0: back in my day. No.
1: And it's not cool still, y'all. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what society says. Because that stuff is on the internet for everybody to see. At least my stuff ain't nowhere for anybody to see.
2: Exactly.
1: But let's get back to the story. So back to the story, I bought a um, condo with some of the money that I had made. At the time, it was um, around 2002 or so, right? Like during the boom, right before the boom. I bought it for $150,000. And three years later, I sold it for $300,000 right before the bust. But I had no idea what I was doing, right? So I was just getting lucky. And around this time, I had also met um, another guy who... uh, ended up with my best friend and we ended up falling in love and I wanted to get out of the club. So I thought, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to sell this condo. I'm going to take the money. We're going to move away to North Florida. We're going to start a new family. Everything's going to be great. So I did. I quit dancing. We moved away, took the money. And this guy that I fell in love with, this was my best friend who I'd known for a very long time And we waited to be intimate. We would go to church together. We did everything that we were supposed to do, you know, in order to make this a lasting relationship, he became abusive and the mental and verbal abuse escalated into physical abuse and I stayed with him for uh four years I mean I loved this man with all of my heart like I prayed for God to change his heart I begged him to go to counseling with me after things were getting really bad and he just wanted nothing to do with it and so um, one night he um, threatened to kill me and I thought he was going to kill me actually he was telling me you know I want I want to kill you like I want you to die and um, I I was trapped in a room and I was terrified for my life and I just remember thinking like I'm gonna die tonight like I'm gonna die by the hands of this man that I love all because I never found the courage I needed to leave him and what Mm -hmm. was really strange about this Michael that you'll 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 appreciate is that I believe that God held him in place that night so that I could run out from him and out the door and I'll tell you why he never let me leave ever before in a fight. He would grab me, push me up against the wall, throw me down on the ground. He would never let me leave. Never. And this night it was the most eerieest feeling I'd ever felt. I mean, his baby blue eyes went black. It was just evil. Mm. And it was like, he couldn't see me. And it was just, and I just remember thinking I have to get out of here. Or I'm going to die. And I was so afraid to run by him, but I, I got the courage to run by him. I ran under his arm out the door, left the door open, was running without shoes like for miles, and he never ran after me. And I believe to this day that God held him in place. So, um again, I, at that time, I wasn't as much I wasn't into my faith like I am now. But when I look back on all these times in my life, I'm like, yeah, I I can see that God was there. God was always working. And so when I finally left him, um I had blown through the $150,000 that I had made on my condo. I had put a lot of money into his business because I was trying to help him. My house that I had renovated was in pre-foreclosure now because I had bought a house for $250,000. I put $30,000 into it thinking I was going to flip this house. And by the time I got done flipping it, the Great Recession had hit. (laughs) And it was now worth $140,000.
2: Wow.
1: Right. So I thought, okay, I am, um, now I, I have no money. My house is in pre foreclosure. The, uh, the man that I love is just uh, broken my heart, mentally broken me in all kinds of pieces. I have a record. I, um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't have any, I don't have any. You were smiling just go. like you
0: are now. You're smiling just like you are now.
1: No, I wasn't smiling. In fact, <laughs> um, in fact, I contemplated suicide mm. during that time, and um, I thought, okay, it's sink or swim now. I'm going to have to figure this out. Like, I'm either going to go into that closet and I'm going to go to sleep, or I'm going to get up and fight. And there was like something that there was like a voice. There was like a not a not a voice, but like a message. Like, these messages that I feel in my heart. And the next day I woke up and it felt like it was like something telling me, you got to get up, you got to fight. This is not the way that your life is is going. Like, you know, and I had contemplated, should I go back to dancing? You know, and this was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I struggled with drinking and drugs in the club. Like I didn't want to go back to dancing. I didn't want to go back to that life. I didn't want to go back to him. I did want to go back to him, but I knew I couldn't. I knew my life was in danger at this point. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't have anything to offer anybody. And I just, I remember thinking like, I'm just so tired, you know, I'm tired. I don't want to fight anymore. But then that message was like, no, it's not time. You got to get up. You got to fight. And so I remember going into the closet one day and pulling out all these books from this seminar, this real estate investing seminar that I had been to.
0: And I, which one did you go to?
1: I went to Ron LeGrand's.
0: Okay in right. north
1: florida um right. the very first guy that introduced me to uh real estate was carlton Sheets. that okay. came on late night tv i bought his books, read all his stuff went to yeah, a lot LeGrand. of my
0: friends sold real estate courses and stuff cole hatter made millions sell- selling real estate courses so yeah
1: ron the grand is the real og though i mean this was back in the day before like anybody was doing it like this guy was like amazing i mean he he was making you buy real estate no money down and I went, I remember I was excited. I told my family, I was like, I'm going to buy real estate. No money down. And my mom would be like, it's okay. I know that you're going to do it, honey. It's just that don't tell the rest of the family because like, it sounds a little
2: crazy. Shady, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> but wouldn't you know it? Let me tell you, wouldn't you know it? I went to that. I went to my closet. I pulled out all my books and I was like, okay, I have done this before. I, I had worked part time for free. Uh, for a real estate investor down in South Florida when I was trying to learn the business. And I was like, I remember he used to get the yellow corrugated signs, right? We buy houses on them real large. Put your phone number on there, stick the signs out. I bought all the signs, got it all ready. I got up at 4 a.m. the next day. I was like, I'm gonna go do this. And I printed out all of my forms of what I was supposed to ask, not knowing exactly what I was talking about, but I was gonna do it because I had to save my home from foreclosure and because I didn't wanna go back to dancing. And nothing happened. I put all the signs out and I waited and waited and waited. Nothing happened. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go get, I'm going to do it again. So I, I go, I get the signs, do the same thing, put them out. Nothing happened. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this works. I know this works. Like, so I go get the signs and I do it again. And I go to different places and I put the signs out and the phone starts ringing. And this lady calls, Mrs. Jones. And she's like, I got this house. It's down in the ghetto of Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, like ghetto. This is where I got my first gun. Um, Well, not in the ghetto, but why I got my first gun, because I was working in the ghetto. But I went down there, had all my stuff ready, had everything printed out except for the purchase price and the the closing date, just in case she wanted to change it. Um, And when I got there, uh, another man was there. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm here to see Mrs. Jones. What are you doing here? And he was like, I'm here to buy her house. And I was like, uh, so am I. <laughs> he's like, yeah, well, you need to leave. And I was like, mm. and I almost left. I almost left. I was like, I was so intimidated by this older white man in his, you know, mid fifties. You know, I'm in my twenties at this time. And he's like really overpowering and being like, you know, condescending. And like, I remember I was almost ready to leave. And I was like, nope. And so I looked to Mrs. Jones and I said, Mrs. Jones, do you mind if we have, uh, if we go around the corner and have a chat real quick? So we go around the corner and I'm like, listen, I don't know who you want to sell your house to, but if your terms are the same and this is what you want, I've got it all filled out. We can sign it. You can tell me when you want to close. I'll do whatever I have to do to help you. I'll help you move. Do whatever I have to do. And I'll go around and tell that man, that mean man, that he can leave. And she signed it, I go around the corner and I was like, um, Mrs. Jones sold her house to me. And I hold up my contract. Now remember, this is my very first time doing a wholesale deal on my own, right? I mean, I'm actually just buying it at this point. I have no idea how I'm gonna get rid of it. Um, so I put it under contract and he storms out. He's all mad, long story longer. I flipped the contract as a wholesale deal and made $7,000 on an assignment fee which meant that I didn't have to do any closing costs. And I took that money. Saved my house. Never looked back. I've been flipping houses ever since. <laughs> good
2: for you. Good for you.
1: Um, After that, it was kind of you know up and down. I was building my business, trying to stay away from my abuser. Um, and then I met another guy. Uh, men Where, are the downfall have devil you brought, have, you brought
0: the, have you brought your daughter into the world yet? No. Okay. But then
1: yeah. I met another guy. So this yeah. is the third guy. My picker used to not be very good, okay?
0: um is that why so, you're single i'm just kidding I'm yes
1: go. it is it <laughs> is, it is.
0: <laughs> i think everybody's afraid of you by now i'm just kidding, I'm kidding. Uh,
1: probably they carries guns I'm just and okay.
0: <laughs> carries guns and yeah
1: i do i do i carry guns and i i, I
0: the range and i'm
1: very into self-protection and <laughs> making sure my daughter is protected and yeah you know.
0: all right so you're into the third guy now right oh crap you're frozen
1: love with my abusive boyfriend i it, it it's hard to explain because abuse is very um sadistic and it's very it's just it's a mind fuck excuse my language i'm oh, sorry <laughs> can you edit that out this is <laughs> i know this is a christian platform i say bad words guys i'm sorry i love right. jesus i say bad
0: words. you're good You're. i love jesus um, but i cuss a little bit i know you.
1: okay so I know you. um I, know you. I ended up rebounding with this guy and this guy was a multimillionaire, could take me all around the world, buy me anything I want Hermes, this, Prada, this, Gucci, this, Versace, you know. And I was just living a life. I was like, isn't this what everybody wants? Isn't this what every girl wants? Doesn't every girl want a guy that has all this money, can do whatever? I thought that was going to make me happy. I just thought it was. yeah. Right? And uh, it didn't. Turns out it didn't, Michael. Um, really? And two and a half years into dating, of a strong rebound because I really didn't like this guy. I just didn't want to go back to my ex. Like this is how this is the point. You were having
0: fun. Ex. You were having fun.
1: I was having okay fun, I guess, but I don't know. It was just it wasn't like I wasn't that attracted to him. I was just like I I don't know. I just was trying to get away from my ex and
0: and not be lonely.
1: <clears throat> and, no, I was really trying to get away from my ex. I was afraid that if I wasn't with somebody, I'd go back to the abusive ex and I was That's would
0: understandable. That's understandable. Um,
1: and so I just thought, you know, time is going to heal. Like, I'll be okay. If I could just stay away from him one day, it'll just go away, whatever. Um, it didn't go away like that. It, two and a half years into dating this guy, I broke up with him because I was miserable. I was Like, uh, this isn't working. Well, right after I broke up with him, I found out I was pregnant. So I did what a lot of people in my situation, pregnant women that aren't married, would do. I called them up. I told them I was pregnant. He was happy. He told me he loved me. He asked me to marry him. And I said, yes, because I was afraid. I was afraid to raise a child on my own. And I, I, I was just, I didn't know what to do, you know? And so I said, yes. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try to make it work. And it'll be good for the child. You know, it will be good for her to have both parents. And anyways, uh, about a year and four months later, a year and a half later, when she was one, one year and four months old. I um some time had passed I got pregnant had the baby when she was 1 year and 4 months old I told him I cannot do this I cannot marry you I'm not in love with you I'm I'm I know myself I was like I'm I've been faithful to him for all this time even though I didn't really like him that much but there's no way I'm going to be able to be faithful to this guy forever and I I don't want to be a cheater and so I said I can't do this I just can't do this so little did I know that that would be the last time I would ever see him again. Um, He didn't take the news so well. He was extremely angry that I called off the wedding. And um, basically, he kicked us out of our other house that we had. We had two houses. I told you he's a multimillionaire. He had three cars already, but he took my car, mine and my child's only means of transportation, because the year before he had talked me into getting a new car and put it into his name. And I sold mine he left us with nothing. And if it wasn't for my family taking us in, we would have been homeless. Um, and that was um, back in 2011. Nice guy. 11. Yeah. Nice guy. Yeah.
0: Leaving his, his <laughs> daughter and, and to be homeless. Yeah. What a nice guy.
1: Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so that happened. Um, and so here I am again, like left with nothing. And now I have a baby to support. And I'm like, you know what? God, I don't know why I don't know what you want me to learn from all this but I I don't know I'm just done I I don't think I I don't think I I don't think I think anything that I do at this point I'm just going to get knocked down I don't think I'm ever going to be successful in anything I do I just I've tried so hard and every single time I get up I get knocked down and I'm just like what I, I don't know so obviously I was like going through some depression I was very scared I was trying to figure out ways to get money for my child you know I'm going to the public defender's office at this point trying to get somebody to help me get money from this guy and i was angry and i was i was i was like resentful and i was in rage against this, this this i don't even have good words to say about him and something <laughs> inside me was just like you know i'm not going to chase him for money um i was afraid that going through the public defender's office that i would um, that we would lose like my i'm going to be fighting a multimillionaire in court and i am going to have a public defender representing me to make matters worse he lived in another state so now we'd be fighting in his own backyard which by mm. the way isn't a southern state backyard which isn't as good for no. us mamas okay and i was like you know best case i get some money from this guy Wor- worst case he sues just to spite me and takes my child and I was like, no, thanks. I wasn't willing to take it. I wasn't willing to risk it. So, I did what I always did. I got really, um, I just, you know, every time I went through something, I something very, very hard. Like when I was abused, I was actually born again um, right after I was abused. I ended up going again in counseling, and I was born again probably like six months to a year later. Praise God. And so then, when this happened, I was like, okay, I'm going back to my faith, right? that's what helped me to get through my abuse. I'm going back to my faith. And, um, and so I did and went back to my faith. And I remember praying to God, I said, God. Here's the deal. I'm going to raise this child on my own, but I do not want to have a life where we live just above poverty, like the statistics show for single moms. I said, I do not want that kind of life. I want an extraordinary life. And I remember praying that because my mom had given me this CD from Charles Stanley and I wanted a life where we would never want for anything. If I wanted to go on vacation, we'd go on vacation. If I wanted to send her to a certain school, she wanted to do a certain sport. I didn't want to feel like I couldn't provide for her. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to do this on my own, but I need your help. And that's when I built my real estate investing business back for a second time. Um, I kind of skimmed over that the last time, but this business is something that I've been doing pretty much full-time since 2007, except for like the year or two that we were together, this guy. And um, I have made a lot of money in it. I've been very successful and it's always been my, my vehicle to get out of these rock bottom places. But to be able to build it for a second time with a child, you know, I had both of my fathers telling me that I needed to go get a real job Security and benefits, you know, because they were corporate. That's guys. what
0: they always tell you, of course.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, y'all, Mine's don't still you tell know? me that
0: all the time. Non-higher, <laughs> I have a
1: record. I don't. I have never been to college. What do you mean a real job? Like this is a real job. This paid my bills.
0: McDonald's, bill. Burger <laughs> King. <laughs> like, where no, do you want me to work,
1: <laughs> Michael? They said Starbucks. I was like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like really? And I, I like, my wife won't even step foot in Starbucks. So, but that's okay. <laughs>
1: So, um, so that happened. And within a year of living back at home, without having a car, without having any money to my name, I had uh, flipped one of the biggest uh, one at that time, one of the biggest projects in my career. I'd done a short sale on a um, million dollar plus home. And again, I kind of skimmed over this because during the Great Recession, I had started a short sale business that I did for four years where I would get the homes from the people that were in pre-foreclosure And I'd work out the liens against them so they could walk away. I'd buy it at a discount and then I'd flip the home. Well, I did this and I made $75,000 on my very first deal after we'd been living at home for almost one year with my family being completely broke and almost homeless. I was ecstatic.
0: That's amazing. You know, let me tell you something. So you don't know this. So I I was (laughs) waiting for you to share this. So I was going to share this with you. I actually remember you and I having some conversations about that, right? Like before Mm -hmm. when I was in Atlanta a couple of times and we were talking about that. And when we lost that $500,000, I was like, what the heck am I going to do now? Thank God. I'll be honest with you. Thank God I had a six figure residual income business, which is how we met. Oh yeah, I Mm -hmm. had that, that saved us, right? Like we weren't going to go broke, right? But when you're have this amount of bills and you take away, you know, a big amount of money and all your retirement and everything that you've scaled. And then you have to cancel a live event and lose even more. And just that stuff goes down. I looked at Candace. I, I remember you sharing a couple of things with me. I remember watching a couple of your videos and stuff. And I was like, Oh God, we just need to ask some family members for money. I looked at the market of the value and, and then we can fix this place up and then we can sell it and we'll make about 50 or 60 grand. And then we can just, use that to, to to like get started again. Right. Mm -hmm. And literally I, I, I did that. We sold the condo for the most that anybody had ever sold a place for in our neighborhood, 136,000. And I bought it for 70. And I had been paying on it for a couple of years. Right. Mm -hmm. Literally say borrowed 15,000 from, from one of our family members. Got halfway through it, found out there was mold. The insurance paid for all these upgrades and stuff on stuff. So literally made that 60, paid back to 15, put 40 in to pay off a lot of the debt and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then was able to put, you know, some money back in the bank. I and mean, we were still mm-hmm. on that, still in that, paying off all that debt and that grind, but I wanted to do it in a year instead of three years. Right. But yeah. I learned a lot about that. So um, yeah, I'm thankful. That's
1: awesome. That. That's yeah. awesome. I didn't have any family members to ask for money. And there's a lot of people that don't. That's great that you did. But yeah. just in case oh, people are Oh, I know a lot more
0: now. No, I know a lot more now. Like I've already said, you know, it's great to, to use other people's money or not or or not right so yeah well there's
1: a lot of there's there there are ways out there which is how i found um a person that was willing to lend me um seven hundred thousand dollars <laughs> to, to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to buy this home and then i ended up making the seventy five thousand dollar profit yep. after paying him back so yeah so you know God is good. I knew that if I just stayed focused on what God was calling me to do in my heart, which was to be able to 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 be able to have a life for me and my child, that was an extraordinary life and I just dug into my faith. I stopped dating for a year and a half If you want a good book to read, read andy stanley's uh, New Rules of Love, Sex, and dating if you're single um I ended up taking a year in I think a year and four months. That's funny because that was the year and four months after sh- when she was four and that I left him, but about a year and four months off of dating. And believe me, at this time, I was like, oh my gosh, I am ready to get out there and start dating. I just had two horrible train wreck back to back relationships. I need to go out there and, you know, sow my oats, is what I thought. And I was in a, a Bible like study group, and these girls were like, no. That's not really what you should be doing. And I'm like, what do you mean that's not what I should be doing? That's totally what I should be doing. And they're like, no, you shouldn't. You should be taking some time off and focusing on God. And I was like, what?
0: And nothing. Nothing?"
1: So I took that time off and I did not focus on boys. And I have to tell you, my life just went off. I mean, it I was focusing on God, my fitness, my finances, my family my child I was treating myself the way that I should have been treating myself before my daughter because now I had a daughter so I was like oh now I better get my act together I better start living for the, for her but I should have been living for me the way that I lived for her before she was born I didn't respect myself or value myself
2: so what'd before
1: you do she was born. what'd you do you know what'd you do I
2: mean I what, just what told you, you do? all this
0: yeah but now, uh-huh. now, what have you done since then? So now you've dove into all that stuff, like what's the transition from then to now?
1: Oh, okay, so um, got my stuff uh going um kept kept sending out the letters, got a house under contract, ended up buying this house through a creative a financing strategy technique, which is called subject Two where you buy the house subject to the existing loan so that you don't have to get an actual loan. I couldn't get one, had horrible credit, barely had any money, definitely had no paycheck sub. Um, and God willing, she agreed. I bought this house. Now me and my daughter have $75,000 in the bank. I bought myself a used car and I bought us a home all within one year of being nearly homeless. Praise God. Um, (laughs) from there, I ended up getting baptized shortly after that and confessed, um, for everybody to see it's on the internet somewhere. It was really cool. I remember uh, seeing that
0: a while, a long time back.
1: It was amazing through Buckhead Church. I ended up doing that. And then um, after getting baptized, everything is going great. I'm doing like five houses at the same time. I've got multiple partners. My kid is going to one of the best private school, private pre-Ks, daycares in Buckhead, which is very expensive. Um, My house burnt down in 2014. I survived. We survived a massive house fire. So here we are again. Everything is gone. Me and my child survived. And I'm, I'm outside watching my house burn down. And there's 13 fire trucks. They're trying to put the fire out. Firefighters are going to the hospital. They're calling it the Inferno of Brookhaven. It's on the news. Helicopters are circling. I'm standing outside like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. I'm like, I'm watching everything burn to the ground again. Mm. So... After that, I went through like some anxiety attacks, as you can imagine. <laughs> I didn't have anything. I was like, when you, when you don't have a phone, you don't have your license, you don't have your, you know, your credit cards, a purse, you don't have cash, you don't, you don't have, pass, have anything. You don't have your Those. birth certificate. You don't have anything. And every time you turn around, somebody needs something because you have to have an ID to do anything in this country, except for enter it, apparently. But other <laughs> than that, <laughs> <laughs> yep. sorry, I'm not gonna get political, but you're not. And so I had five projects going. And if you know, as you just said, uh, well, for me being, being a professional in the business, before I start a project, I have everything laid out. So I have all my colors laid out, have my tiles laid out, have my, my, my countertop slabs laid out. I have my color of my cabinets. I've got, you know, color swatches galore. I've got all five of them going on and it's all gone. Michael, all of my design, everything Mm. is gone and I've got guys coming to me the guys want their money just because my house literally just my life literally just burnt up in flames doesn't mean that their life did right they need their money the partners are asking when am I going to finish the project I'm having anxiety attacks I'm literally going standing outside of the ER thinking that I'm gonna just I'm just gonna open the door just in case I die just I'm just I'm just I'm like laying like this just in case I actually have a heart attack. So somebody would just find me in the parking lot because I didn't want to go in. I felt like I was having strokes on this side of my mouth where I couldn't talk. Like it, my mouth would just stop talking. I had to stop drinking caffeine. I was like, I think I'm, I. I it, it crossed my mind. Maybe I should just give up. Maybe I should just quit. Maybe, maybe it's just too much at this point. And then again, there was something inside me that was like, nope, you're not going to quit you're going to finish these projects, you're going to get your partners their money back, you're going to keep all the guys working on this on this job. You've worked way too hard and if you are if you know anything about this business and any business. Once you lose your reputation, once you lose that trust, once you lose like your marbles, you don't come back. You just don't. So I had to keep it all together.
0: <laughs> of course you and did. People had, were relying and- on you and people were yeah, you had to keep it together, especially cuz you because of all of the progression that you'd made of all the stuff that you'd went through. I mean, imagine if you hadn't went through any of that, you know? Right.
1: Right. So here we are. So I, long story longer. I I held it together. I dove into my faith because I was having, I couldn't breathe. And the only thing I know is Jesus always gives me peace and calmness percent strength. And I couldn't breathe and I was just felt like it was so heavy and I, I just needed help. And so I went there and I asked them, please help me. I need to, did I need to finish this. I don't know how, but I just need to finish it. Just, I don't know how, just help me. And I got it done and we sold all the houses and I got all my partners and money back. And we even managed to make a profit <laughs> on all of them. Good for you. And then after that, I um, worked on rebuilding our house and I was thinking that the ho- our house that burnt down and I was thinking that I would rebuild this house and I would just have to sell it because financially I didn't really have the money that I needed because it just wasn't working out for me. Even though I had the five projects going on, I didn't really have the money I was going to need because I was going to split the money with my partner. And even though we made a profit, we didn't make as much as we should have made because I was scattered, you know, but but I still got it back and I still, we still made the profit. But in between that time I found another house and I ended up winning this bid on an online auction for $687,000, $687,500. Michael, I didn't have this money. I didn't even know I was bidding on this house. I was just like, ah, I know that this is a good deal. I'm gonna bid on this house. It started at 400, and I knew that the houses in the neighborhood were selling for 900,000 that had the same lot. Not not even houses; it was a lot that was selling for 900,000. This had a 4,500 square foot home on it with the same lot, and it started at 400,000. So I knew, okay, house with a lot, 400,000. Lot. Lot. 900,000. 900,000. I'm gonna bid on it. So I bid on it. And I was like, I'm not gonna go past 650,000. I had done all my work. I knew I knew this was the value. This is what I needed it. It gets under 650,000 and someone bids, And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna bid one more time. So I bid $687,500 and I wait and I wait and I wait. And nobody bids after me and I win. I win this house on an online auction. Now I'm like, okay, I have like $200,000 in equity right now, but I got to find $687,500 to buy this house from somebody. So who can I call? Hmm, who can I call? So, okay. I think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wholesale it. I'm going to try to find an investor and I'm just going to flip it. Like I flipped the little $7,000 deal for
2: it. And I
1: had a guy on, on the hold on hold and he backed out at last minute. <clears> then <throat> I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so then I was like, okay, I have this one other guy I'll call and I'll just tell him uh, I need $687,500. Um, plus, I think I'm going to need another million if we're going to just knock it down and build it. I call him up. I preach, I, I, not, I not preach, I, I present all the information to him. And I'm like, this is how much we can sell this house for. I can do this. We should do this project. Come on, give me a chance, right? And he says, yes. Yeah. So I ended up doing this project and I ended up finishing it, um, in 2018 and it took me two years to complete I
0: remember very well.
1: I had to, I had to fire some contractors in between there.
0: Now, I remember calling you a couple <clears> of <throat> times and, and, and hearing some different changes in your voice. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. It was very hard. I just
0: fired. So I remember one time you said, I just had to fire a whole bunch of people. Now what am I going to do? I yeah. was like, yeah.
1: I mean, in this business, y'all got to fire people like when they're not doing their job and you got to get in there and roll up your sleeves. I learned how to be like the best project manager because of firing so many general contractors. I never really fired a lot of the subs. I did fire the subs, but not as much as the, the head honcho. Me and the head honcho always, but always butt heads. I don't know why that is. Of
0: course. <laughs> That's
1: because It's you. But, right. Right. It's with me. Anyways, um, about that same time of selling this house, I had just finished my house and I, we made so much money off of this house. We had it, I listed it for $2.75 million and we ended up clearing like well over half a half a million or something like that. Um, I was able to not only not have to sell my home that I just built in Brookhaven and like the most booming, this, uh, this other home was in historic Brookhaven, the home that my house burnt down in the neighborhood was brookhaven but this 2.7 my five million dollar home was in historic brookhaven i got to keep my home and we sold this home and now i'm like
2: whoa i can't believe it
1: i'm living in this mansion that i built not the one that i just sold this other one that i built for 5000 square feet in brookhaven georgia and i get to live in it i I I knew for sure I was going to have to sell it. I knew I was going to have the money to live in it. And now God has blessed me with the money from this other home from working so hard. And I get to keep my home. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, who am I? I have and, missed- and then,
0: and then you decide to move. Then after that, you decide to move halfway around the world. Right?
1: Yeah. So after that, um, I just felt like something was missing. Michael, I was unhappy. And I, I I just felt like I felt like the everyday life was just so mundane and I was bored and I was resentful I started resenting my family because they weren't more involved in my child's life and I'm not a resentful person so I started resenting the fact that I was working so hard I was working like 100 hour work weeks at some sometimes and yeah I was killing it in the business don't get me wrong great I was killing it but I wanted more time with my daughter and I just wanted more time with myself and I wasn't in love with my passion anymore my passion was Real estate investing and this new calling on my life, I felt like God was calling me to write this book. And I felt like God said, You need to write this book and you need to speak about your story because you're going to help others see that there's always hope and there's always light at the end of the tunnel, so long as you never give up. But I couldn't do it working in real estate because I was always working so much. And so in 2019, Um, I went to, uh, in 2018, I'm sorry. I went, did a film documentary in France. I was just asked to go do this film documentary from some random guy and went out there and it was a lovely experience. I met some great people. I met a coach named Kira who actually helped, uh, coach people, um, to basically follow their passion. And I told her I wasn't happy anymore in my life. I felt like I had reached this I'd reached it like from everybody looking in, I had reached success. You know, I had like the respect for my two fathers. Now I I felt like they didn't think I was a fuck up anymore. I, I had the respect (laughs) from society. You know, I had like respect from like my friends and I felt like I just, I wasn't that girl anymore that had made all these mistakes from my past life. And like, I had finally made it, but I was just not happy. And so um after i met her i decided okay i'm gonna up and root our lives we're moving to spain i've always wanted to learn spanish i'm gonna write a book i'm gonna teach people who oh, is your spanish
0: my wife is learning spanish
1: yeah
0: yeah, yeah she's no she, she...
1: um, Mi esposa
0: <laughs> la familia peru my wife's family is from Peru. So uh, mm. she's, uh, but she did not get the dark gene because her. But that's a long story, but that's another whole story. But yeah, no. Oh. So yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's what I did. We moved to Spain and um, I wrote a book and I wrote multiple books actually. Um, but the one, uh, my autobiography naked is getting ready to be released in mid October. Finally, after starting writing it in 2019, here we are in 2022, but you know, These things take time to come to fruition. And I just felt like God was calling me to step out of my comfort zone again and to also step away from the money because the money was so good, but to focus more on my daughter and spending quality time with her and doing the things that I really wanted to do. And when I got to Spain, um, actually, I was coaching people as a real estate investor. But then I realized, you know what? That's not my heart. My heart is I want to help people like overcome the things that I went through. I want to help them. I want to help people. Sure. Anybody can teach somebody how to make money, but you got to teach people how to heal what's going on in here and to get the confidence that you need in order to go make that money. So that's kind of, I changed the whole thing, but I wrote the book and I'm really excited about it. And I go into my story in much, much, much more detail.
0: (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing I like about that is so I, I'm not sure I may break this up into two because this is, as you can see, the time. I don't know if you can see the time, how long we've been talking, but um, let, let's do this. Let's take at least 10 more minutes. Okay. Cause I, I may break this up into two. I'm just letting you know that ahead of time uh, because I think it was awesome. And, um, you know, uh, and, and I love your heart. You, you've known that. I think we've had a special place for each other in our hearts just because we're like minded, we're heart minded. <laughs> I remember the first time I met you and your daughter. Um, and just, just being able to see you as a mom, <clears throat> excuse me, being able to see you as a mom and knowing that your heart is for people. What is this next season of Candy's life look like, Like, What is, what are you feeling like God is, is doing in you and through you and through the book and through what you want to do? What is this next, you know? three years, five years on down the line look like? What does it look like?
1: Yeah, so I wrote the book. um, Basically, I thought I wrote the book just to gain credibility because I wanted to be asked to speak on stages, to speak on podcasts. I really just wanted to be able to be in front of other people's communities so that my message could get out to all the people that needed to hear it. I did not write this book to get rich. I wrote it because I wanted it to be credible. I wanted to be credible. But what really happened when I wrote this book was actually it was very therapeutic for me because I had to go back and relive so many traumas. And I skimmed through my life. There was a lot of other traumas that happened that I don't think I talked about in detail of like what it was to be in those rock bottom places in this cold, lonely, isolated places like what it really felt like when i felt like i was extremely hopeless and the reason i wrote this book is because i want people to know that they're not alone i want them to know that just because we don't most people don't talk about these things because most people don't want to talk about these things these things are embarrassing they're painful they're shameful they're things that they wish never happened right um and so i talk about it because when i talk about it i receive the engagement and the feedback from people and they just they're just so, it's like they're, they're just so glad to know that they're not the only one. And when I say things that have happened to me, I have people come and tell me things that they've never told anybody in their life of things that happened to them. And the thing, Michael, is that shame, shame isolates you. And so you don't tell anybody about it. And that's when shame grabs power over you. And so when I talk about it, then if they're able to talk about it, then it's a way for them to release whatever's going on with them. And so to be honest, I'm doing this because I felt like God called me to do it. And I created this program that goes along with the book and it's called Love Your Shame. And this is just a program for people who want more, you know, if they want it, great. If they don't want it, that's fine. Like the book will be just fine for you. But my main thing is I want to speak. I just want to speak. I want to get in front of the people that need to hear my message and the rest of the stuff, the book, the audio book, the program, the, the program's called Love Your Shame. It's a six-week program that basically takes you through um, the process of how to start overcoming the feelings that you've had to feel for so long. I am not a therapist. I am not a psychologist.
0: And you the don't fact- have to be
1: if you are working with a psychologist or therapist, you will have to send me an actual written note that you're allowed to take this. What I am, is I'm a person who's lived through it. I am the person that psychologists study. I, and other thousands of people are the people that psychologists study, but I am the one that's lived through it. And I know how I got through it. A big part was my faith. Yes, of course. And that is something that I do talk about. But There are so many other things that you have to do in order to overcome those feelings of feeling undeserving, feeling unworthy, feeling unlovable, feeling like a bad person. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are feeling the way that I have felt. And that's why I felt such a strong desire to make sure that my message got out there. I don't want my family to read this book. I don't want them to know the stories. I don't want them to know the things that I did or the things that were done to me that I've never told anybody. This book isn't for my family. This book is for the They
0: people. may read it, oh. You know they may read it. it. Yeah. They're gonna read it.
1: But yeah, it's not course. for them. It's for it's for everybody it's for else. people to grow and
0: heal and to become who God called them to be. Yes. And that's exactly and that's exactly why. So okay, so now that I'm gonna chop this up, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one more question, okay? okay. And this might be a little deep question because I kind of feel like the Lord just told me to tell you this. So and I know that you're a deep person, so you can handle it, right? Uh, she carries a gun and, and works out all the time and stuff. So she's, she's good like that. I, it was funny. I was watching one of our mastermind things yesterday where my friend Devin uh, was holding two girls on a, on a rod above his head and like walking around like, this. <laughs> and it just, and I'm like, dang dude, like really? And so here's my last question. Um, a single mom in the peak of her life, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally financially. Um, what? How do you stay strong and rooted and grounded? Because obviously, you're single. There's a lot of single women out there that are successful. You know, um, How do you stay rooted and grounded and keep the vision of what you feel like you're supposed to do, being a mom, being an entrepreneur, finishing this book, getting things to launch, coaching, and those type of things? How do you, Candy, stay rooted and grounded?
1: Um I like to call it focusing on the f-words and not the f-word that you might be thinking <laughs>
2: not the one she likes to use I know
1: kidding. I can't <laughs> help it I have like this sick twisted sense of humor but I love you Jesus
0: um, actually every time I actually every time I see that shirt every time I I remember I remember sending that to you one time I remember that shirt you know hey I love Jesus but I curse a little bit right yeah. like and we yeah. went in I went into this with people like I don't curse I don't judge people for it everybody has this phase in their life that they go through and they like like and 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 I know you know like there's Garrett White and there's Sean Whale there's all these guys that oh they've gotten born again but now they're like every other word out of their mouth is like you know this i don't judge that's not for me to judge but i'm, I'm excited to hear the other f's that you're going to talk about
1: so uh, focusing on faith family fitness finances and freedom um freedom is something that most people take for 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 granted but i've been arrested three times i didn't get into that during it don't worry it's in my book Um, and I've had my freedom taken away from me where I actually did spend uh, a whole month in jail. So again, it's all in the book, but here's the thing we have to stay focused on the things that matter. And, uh, the F word of that word or fornication, which somebody said, Oh, by the way, you can say it's fornicating. I was like, Oh, I didn't even know that. Okay, cool. So when you don't or okay, not. I'm speaking to the singles out there, okay. If you're married, um, I don't I don't know what to tell y'all. Okay, y'all y'all should be pleasing each other and making sure you're staying close in your relationship, is what I think, is what I hope to have one day. But as a single person, you have to stop focusing on relationships. You 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 can't you can't focus you can't waste time on a relationship if it's going nowhere. The instant you find out you feel it's going nowhere, you got to cut the strings, okay? Do not be in it just because you're lonely. I get it. Do not be in it just because I love sex so much. I get it. I totally get it. (laughs) Do not get into it just to pass the time away. You have to take all that time that you would spend in a relationship and you have to focus it on your faith, your family, your fitness, your finances, and your freedom. You have to improve yourself. And that's how I stay grounded. I, yes, I get off track every now and then. Believe me, I get off track. Okay. I'm not perfect. I do things that I'm like, I feel like a fraud because I'm supposed to be this leader and I still have my strongholds. I still struggle with things. Right. But, but the overwhelming point of my life right now, where I'm at those things I do way less than I used to do a long time ago. Some things I don't do at all anymore. It's a growing process. So if you are going down this path, path and you be, you, if you're going down this path and you make a mistake, don't beat yourself up over it. You just got to get back on and just realize, okay, this is not how I want to be. I want to stay focused on these things that are going to be good for my future. going to be good for my daughter, my son's future. going to be good for my overall health you know, fitness and taking care of yourself. If you don't want to go to the gym, don't go to the gym. Just go take a walk, you know, like do something for yourself. Get, get involved in a hobby that you enjoy doing. I picked up my favorite hobby, which is shooting. Shooting. Um,
0: and not you know, shooting people. Shooting not everybody
1: parties. likes everybody. that hobby. That's okay. Do something that you like to do. I think that people just focus so much on trying to fill their time with somebody. That they just never work on themselves. That's how I stay focused.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And so uh, I'll I'll decide whether I'm going to break this up or not. It was pretty good. We went about a little over an hour, which was which we prayed for a little bit and chatted for a little bit at the beginning. So I think we went a little. I can't even see the
1: time. So yeah,
0: it's one forty nine. So uh, it's it's just we went on a little bit more. So uh, if I do, I'll do another intro in the middle of it, you know, or another out ex excerpt exit in the middle of it, but thank you so much that this was fun. This was fun. Just, uh, it's fun just getting to spend some time with you. Um, and you know, it, it, i I've, I, I've, I, I can say this now cause I've seen this person before. I I've seen you kind of going through things and, and evolving and becoming this person. And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. However, God showed me to, to, to reach out and, and to yeah. say what I said <laughs> and to pray. And we've prayed many times before in the past and, Uh, And I think that that's what's most important is that we can have people in our life. um, I call it a Barnabas. They just tell us like what we need to hear right when we need to hear it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they're not saying, Oh, maybe you shouldn't No, They're saying, okay, it's now's your time. Now's your time. So I say this to end every podcast. I think it's super important, you know, that we love God first and foremost, we love people and then we live with passion, vision, and purpose. Passion, vision, and purpose, and I believe today, uh, whether it's one session or two that we break this up into, um, that you've heard from somebody who loves God, loves people, and definitely lives with passion, vision, and purpose, and I believe that the greater days of her life and her impact in the kingdom, because I believe once you have, once you're there, you really have to focus on the kingdom, and the kingdom is why we were created. I I wasn't created just to help people get healthy. I wasn't created just to keep people from cancer and diabetes and restoring their families. Like we're helping, you know, hu- uh, husbands reconnect with their wives and and dads and moms reconnect with their kids. That's not uh-huh. what's important is I, I want that to be a part of the kingdom. I want God to get the glory. I don't want anything to be about me. I don't want that. And I believe that that's where you've gotten to today. So. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to this session Thank of the Fluence Podcast. Having me. You're welcome. And guys, we'll we'll show you how to get Candy's book. We'll show you how to connect with her all in the show notes, how you can find her. Uh her website's about to be finished here. And so the book will be done soon enough. And you guys will be able to have access to that. But thanks for listening to another session of the Heat Fluence Podcast. Till next time. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening to
0: the Heat Fluence Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And as always, you can follow Michael on all social media platforms at Michael David Huey or www.MichaelDavidHuey.com. Until next time, God bless and take care.